Hello there, and welcome to Odessa First Assembly's weekly podcast, where we bring you the heart of our Sunday message. I'm Tony, your host and the face behind our digital ministry. We're excited to dive into today's sermon, exploring the Word of God together. So grab your coffee, find a comfy spot, and let's embark on this journey of faith. Without further ado, here's this week's sermon. We are glad that you're here. If you're a guest, thank you for being here. There's a card in the pew in front of you, or you can go online. Either way, we have a gift for you. We know you could be anywhere. It's grateful that you're here. And yes, tithes and offerings, it can be online, odessafirst.com, or the boxes in the back. And so be faithful in your giving. We're excited what God is doing, and uh, grateful, grateful, had a had almost a full house last week. It was great to see. And uh, so we need to keep that going too. You know, you can go to church more than once a month. But, uh, sorry, did I say that out loud? Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, I, but something, I think if I, if you haven't, I, I hate to draw attention because I don't want to embarrass him, but um, we've had a gentleman been attending for a little while, been here at school at Odessa College, but Demons. Demons, would you just wave at everybody real quick? Demons, he's awesome. And uh, the reason I point that out is uh, we've been trying to go as many as games as we can. He plays for Odessa College. And I think this Thursday night is a home game, and we're playing Howard College. Am I right, Demons? I think, maybe. And so we actually went to Big Spring to watch them play there. And that crowd, it was, it was a decent-sized crowd, and they were a little bit rowdy. And there wasn't too many of us from Odessa. And I'm thinking, you know what? I think Odessa can be a little more rowdy than Big Spring. And uh, I think it would be a great church night out if you would join us at the basketball game Thursday night. It's only like five bucks. It's cheap entertainment. But we can root for Demons and the team and uh, kind of show Big Spring how Odessians can be. And uh, we'll, we'll, still, we'll stay saved. But it's, it's all fair yelling at refs and the other team and basketball, man. You know, it just, that's the way it is. So uh, I just want to invite you to, to join us for that. If you have your Bibles, turn to the book of John, John chapter 8 and verse 58. We're actually going to look at about kind of three just verses to start off with. John 8, 58. And then we're going to look at Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 3. And then we're going to look in Colossians chapter 1. Three verses, three texts. We're kind of really going to focus on one. Um, Hebrews and Colossians kind of gives perspective to the scripture in John, but John eight fifty eight, Hebrews chapter one verse three, and uh, Colossians one fifteen. And so we're going to read those in just a moment. We have started a series called "I Am," and last week we kind of really focused in on Exodus and God and where that statement comes from. I am that I am, and so today we're going to make a little transition, we're going to draw from that, and how that relates to Jesus, because what we're setting up, starting next week, we're going to talk about seven other I am statements from Jesus. If you don't know, through the book of John, he makes, he makes some awesome declarations, Jesus, I am the bread of life, I'm the good shepherd, and um, I'm the light of the world, and so we're going to kind of break down each of those statements, and on, on Resurrection Sunday... We're going to focus in on John 11, where Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life as we celebrate Resurrection Day. And so we're excited about that. And uh, so last week we talked about the compound names of Jehovah and what they mean. And so 
Uh, but I want to pray before we get started. John, we're going to look at John 8:58, Hebrews 1:3, Colossians 1:15. Father, we thank you, Lord, for this morning and your presence in this house. Oh, I just pray that our hearts would be good soil, ready to receive your word, Lord. And Lord, I, I pray today just by your spirit that you would bring, Lord, biblical revelation to us, Lord, that you would, your scriptures, your, your word would come alive to us and in us, I pray, would hear your still small voice, you would speak to us, and we thank you for it, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. So John eight fifty eight, we used this last week, kind of going to plug into it today. Jesus said to them, now when you read John chapter 8, I, I would encourage you this week just to read the whole chapter. I mean, because I'm picking out one verse of a whole exchange that happens with the Pharisees. But Jesus makes a statement. He says, truly, truly, I say to you before Abraham was, I am. And there's something significant about that is that um, he didn't say I was. I mean, he uses that term, I am, and that he was before Abraham. And it really set the Pharisees off. And we're going to talk about that in just a moment. But I want to give a little um, clarity to uh, what we believe about Jesus. And today I'm talking about, to some degree, I mean, who Jesus is. Um, I mean, we could, we could go a 52-week series, right, <laughs> on, uh, on, on, on Jesus. But in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3, it says, He is the radiance, Jesus, He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of His nature. He's the radiance of the glory of God, the exact imprint of his nature. Um, Colossians 1.15, it says he, Jesus, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. And so we see some perspective about who Jesus is. And so we've been in this series, we just started last week, but we talked last week about how that God reveals himself unceasingly, that he never stops. We talked about um, there is no God but God, that God is eternal, that God is always the same, that God acts on our behalf. And really we're gonna talk about kind of the same things when it concerning Jesus. But Jesus uses the same pattern in the New Testament that we see God use in the Old Testament and bringing revelation to who he is. Last week, I said this. This is important. The names of God are how we personally connect with God. You remember, I mean, that, that word rofe, he's our healer, or sit canoe, he's our righteousness, or um, uh, Jehovah Jireh, our provider. And so it gives us a, a revelation on who our father is. And Jesus really, he continues the same pattern. Jesus, when you look at Colossians and Hebrews, what we just read, that Jesus is how we see God's character in action. So when you think about that the Lord God, our provider, our righteousness, our redeemer, our deliverer, or all these compound names of God, we see all of that come into fruition through the person of Jesus Christ. Are you with me so far? We're gonna, we're gonna probably, it's gonna be probably a little more deeper teaching than when I normally do. So um, I, hope, I, hope, I hope you had coffee. I don't think it's gonna be boring, but... You know, you never know. Jesus is how we see God's character in action. I think another way to say this is Jesus, how we see God's name come to fulfillment. We see all that take place in Jesus. 
Everything that God is, we see in Jesus. Let me say it this way. Everything that God is, Jesus is. Jesus is that fulfillment. To really understand the I am statements, I mean, in John chapter 8, and that's what I'm focused on because G, this is a declaration that Jesus is saying. This is, this is significant in, in theology and our belief system of Jesus saying before Abraham was, I am. And if we go back to Exodus, Exodus 3.13, it says, and Moses said to God, remember, I mean, the, the burning bush, where I showed the video clip. Anybody watch Prince of Egypt last week after seeing that video clip? So yeah, I, I did too. Um, then Moses said to God, if I come to the people of Israel, God is, he's meeting with Moses, there's a burning bush, and, and uh, God's telling Moses he wants him to deliver the Israelites, um, well, the Hebrews out of, out of Egypt, People of Israel say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me, and they ask me, what is his name? What shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, he said say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent you. And so at the very beginning, kind of how to process all of this is this. The I am written in Hebrew and Exodus 3 is the same as the Greek I am in John chapter 8. And so there's a lot of argument from people that say God never declared himself to be God, but in John chapter 8 and verse 58, that's exactly what he does. We have, we, 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 we have a difficult time sometimes processing that because of our modern culture, and most of us don't speak Greek. Are you following me? And so it's significant that Jesus says, I am. And John 8, and, and, and actually, that Greek word, ego me, that he says, I am, in John chapter 8, where we're going to discover throughout this month when we look at all the I am statements of Jesus, that's another significance of Jesus saying, I am. It's almost, it's almost, it's almost, you know, when God said, I'm Jehovah, whatever the compound names of God, Jesus is doing the same thing by saying, I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. It's, it's so powerful. And so we see it's important to understand that Yahweh I am in Hebrew is the same thing Jesus is saying in the Greek I am. And so it reminds you, of, of our other two verses, our support verses to our text. He is the radiance of God's glory and the exact imprint of his nature. He is the image, Colossians 1.15, he is the image of the invisible God. And the I am statements, Jesus is what he's saying, what he's asserting is that what is true about him is true about God. Are you, are you tracking with me so far? I know this is more of a teaching, but just, just hang on with me. So Jesus is saying, I mean, everything he's saying to himself, he's saying, I'm giving you a picture to who my father is. I'm giving you a picture of who God is. Because see, a lot of times, I know I've said this before, but you know, when you look at the Trinity, I mean, a lot of people, you know, they're, they're okay with Jesus and, and they're okay with the Holy Spirit, but they have issues with God. 
And, and it's a brick wall in their, and really in their spiritual maturity and their relationship with the Lord because we view as, you know, Jesus laughing, compassionate, loving, you know, but God is narcissistic and withdrawn and ready to smite people. But the reality is what we see in Jesus is God. Are you following me? And so think about this, that God wanted you to know this about himself. So even when we look at Jesus, God is continuing to reveal himself. He says, I want you saved. I want you reconciled with me, so I'm gonna send you Jesus. I want you healed. I want you to know that I'm Jehovah Rophe, the Lord God that heals, so I'm gonna send you Jesus, and there's gonna be stripes upon his back that pay for your healing. I want you delivered, so I'm gonna send you a better deliverer than Moses. I'm gonna send you Jesus. I wanna see the chains broken in your life, so I'm gonna send you the chain breaker. I want the, the captive set free from darkness. So I'm gonna send you Jesus. God wants you whole, so he sent us Jesus. Yeah, that should excite us a little bit, right? Something that tells us exactly what Jesus was saying. And, and let's, so listen, so some people have a hard, difficult concept that Jesus, when he said I am, was saying that he was God. Now, now listen to this. If that was the case, if, if this I am is just a simple, normal I am statement, like I am Pastor Todd, you know, I am whatever, then why in John chapter eight and verse 59, we see the Jews wanting to stone him? Because the Jews in that first century context knew exactly what Jesus was saying. Do you follow me? You know, he says it somewhere else in John chapter 10, verse 31. Just a couple of chapters later, the Jews picked up stones again to stone him. Jesus answered them, I have shown you many good works from the Father. For which of them are you going to stone me? Verse 33, the Jews answered him, it is not for the good work. We're... <laughs> How'd you like to be met that way? You know, people being raised from the dead and being healed. Oh, we're going to kill you. The Jews answered, it's not for the good work that we're going to stone you, but for the blasphemy. Listen, because you being a man, make yourself God. The Jews, the Pharisees knew exactly what Jesus was claiming. And so... I think to understand this a little better, I listen, this could be a series of its own and it may be something we tackle a little bit, but I wanna talk just a moment about the Trinity, about the Godhead, and because I think we need a little bit of understanding pulling from what we've all talked about into what we're moving into. And what do we believe? What do we believe as a church? What does this church believe? That there are not three gods, but one God. There are not three gods, but one God. And, and even, I, so, so many times people try to explain the Trinity, right? And they try to explain it in a way, like they try, has it, you know, anybody heard about the egg comparison? Or, or, the, or the, you know, waters, you know, gas, vapor, liquid, ice, whatever. And the reality is none of those really do justice to bring us understanding on who the Trinity is and, and how the Lord God is one. But there is not three gods, there is one God. The Bible tells Deuteronomy chapter six, verse four, 
The Lord our God is one. I mean, the scripture even tells us, and, and uh, you know, God, God is not, uh, not making light of any kind of illness, but, illness, but you know, God is, he's not saying there's doppelganger, you know, he, he's not saying that he's schizophrenic or anything like that. It, it's really, it is difficult for us to understand, but when he says the Lord God is one, he's not necessarily saying that there's these three guys, these three gods in unity, or in a singularity, but they're in unity together, but they are also one. Number two is this, our God exists as three persons, one God and three persons. We see Matthew chapter 28, I mean a very simple verse, that we baptize them in what? The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That is God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. They are all God, but three persons. Are you following me so far? Within God's one undividing being, there's an unfolding of an interpersonal relationship of three persons. It's one God, three persons. God is not one person who took three consecutive roles. God did not become Jesus, and Jesus did not become the Holy Spirit. God existed before time existed. And therefore, Jesus existed before time existed. The Holy Spirit existed before time existed because the Lord God is one. And so what we draw from that is the understanding that Jesus is God. And we have the presence of Jesus in our life today, the glory of his presence through that of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is God. The Trinity does not divide God into three parts. It is clear. There is the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, and they are all fully God. So to think of this way, when you think about the egg and the, and the you know, water, vapor, gas, ice, whatever that illustration is, you know, the thing is, you can't, it, it, God is fully God, Jesus is fully God, the Holy Spirit is fully God. I couldn't set before you a pie. I wish I had a pie for an illustration right now, then we could eat it afterwards, but like a key lime pie. I couldn't divide up a key lime pie and cut a slice and say, here's God, here's Jesus, but that whole pie makes God. That, that's not how that works. There's a, a theologian, I hope you can follow this quote, but he says this, the being of each person is equal to the whole being of God. The Lord God is one, but three persons. And how that relates to us, if I can bring it down maybe to a simple level is this, is that that's how much that God loves you, is to give us Jesus, the Son of God. Jesus is God to express himself to humanity. Our God is not a God that is distant. Our God is not a God that does not love, that does not care, that kind of create a mess and washes hands of it. I mean, that's maybe how, what we would do. I, is anybody, there, used to be an, there used to be a band, I, I don't know if they're around anymore or not, but it was a long time ago, named New Song. Anybody remember New Song? New Song, I used to love, I, that was a great, great uh, Christian band, and, but they used to sing a song and it, it was this, they said, if I were God, I'd start all over on Mars. You know, I mean, can we really blame God for the flood? You know, I mean, it's kind of what they're saying. 
But God provides such a powerful way to reveal himself to all of us, to send us Jesus. To say, I, I promised a long ago that I, I wasn't gonna start over, but I was gonna do it in you, and I was gonna work in you. And so what do we, go, what do we draw from this? Number one is this, is that Jesus is ever present. Jesus is ever present. Matthew 28, 20, right? We went, we, we had 28, 19, that baptizing in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, Matthew 28, 20, teaching them to deserve all that I have a commanded you, right? He's speaking to the disciples there before his ascension. And behold, he's, he's saying, take note. I want you to listen to this. What I'm about to tell you is extremely important. I'm with you always even to the end of the age. And even in that sentence, even in the age, I mean, Jesus is saying, I was here before time existed. I'm gonna be here after time exists and I'm always gonna be with you. Always. When you're in, facing that temptation, Jesus is there. Now, either that should wake you up <laughs> or, uh, well, you know, I... You know, I, it, it, listen, I, I think some of us forget if I could bring us a stark reality just for a moment is there's gonna be two judgments when we enter into eternity. And Christians, we're gonna be judged as well for everything we said, everything we did. The scripture talks about all these works are gonna pass through a fire and either it'll be found wood, hay, and stubble or it's gonna be turned into precious jewels and stones. And so, yeah, maybe it's like a, for some of us to realize that Jesus there is in the middle of that temptation, it, it may be an uh-oh, but I'm trying to speak in the context of more encouragement for you that you don't have to face it alone. That he is there to give you the strength that you need, to give you the path that you need, to give you the avenue that you need. He's, I mean, if somebody is talking bad about you behind your back, you know, Jesus is right there with you. If, if you're going through some kind of hardship, Jesus is there with you. If you're going through a valley, we talked about last week, valley, the, the shadow of death, Jesus is with you. He's with you in the storms. He's with you in bad news. He's with you in difficulty. He's with you in need. He's with you in the marriage problems. He's with you in the issues with the kids. He's with you in the diagnosis. Jesus will never leave you nor forsake you. He is there. He's ever present. There is not something that happens in your life and you're just like, you got this, brother. That's not who he is. He is there. He is ever present. But we, you know, he's trying to be there for us. And I, this may be off subject, this may be a rabbit trail, but just bear with me. I think we come with some pretty good excuses. And it, you kind of see this at the, the woman at the well. But listen, here, here's the excuses that people use. You don't know who I am. I hear that so many times. I mean, you promised me that Jesus is gonna be there, but you don't know who I really am. Well, you know, the reality is, is that Jesus knows exactly who you are because he fashions you and forms you in your mother's womb. And he's, he knows exactly who you are, and yet he still gave his life for you. 
You don't know what I've done. No, I, I don't know what you've done, but Jesus still knows what you've done, and he still loves you, is walking with you, and is there. He knows everything about you, and God still loves you. I mean, Angela, and after 25 years, 26 years, we just celebrated, we, uh, for Angela, she'd rather celebrate our first date than Valentine's because they're pretty close together. But after 26 years, she knows me pretty well. But I, I, can, I, can, I can say that as well as she knows me, she still doesn't know me like God knows me. And it's one thing for Angela to love me, she has to. But God doesn't have to and he does. God doesn't have to love you, but he does. He knows what you've done. And you know what? No matter, listen, I, I say this sometimes and like religious people, I kind of, I can kind of, you know, the, to offend the mind shows the heart. It doesn't matter how much you do right. You're not loved more. His love is complete. But listen, the, the opposite is true as well. It doesn't ha matter how much you do wrong. He still loves you. He still loves you. Uh, you don't have to know, you, you don't know what I've been through. Listen, I know some of you, some of you have been through things that no one in humanity should have ever had to face or go through. And it's easy to li listen, the enemy will lie to you and make you believe that God didn't care, that it's God's fault, that God left you alone, that God, whatever, you know, that, that God is not as good as what God says he is. But all of those are lies from the enemy. Listen, I cannot express it enough. I, yes, bad things happen to us. Bad things happen to good people. But the, the reality of it, that doesn't happen because of, of God's lack of power or a lack of who God is, that happens because of Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve brought that curse upon us and in the world. And so now sin has this reign in our sinful flesh and this world. But God's powerful enough to break through all of that and to do the work inside you that needs to be done. And I want you to know today that God is the God that binds up the broken heart that God does heal, and no, he may not take the memory away from what happened, but I believe that God can heal the pain of what happened, and your greatest hurt can become your greatest ministry. I believe it. So many people believe they're damaged goods. We think the sum of our experiences determine our worth, but I'm gonna tell you, that's not how God sees you. That's how not, God doesn't determine your worth by the sum of what you've done right or wrong. He does not see you as damaged goods. You were fashioned and created in the likeness of our God. And why the enemy hates you so much? I, I, again, I, I, this may be just a rabbit trail, but I just had this thought but that some of you need to hear. Um, anybody like comeback movies? I, I, I do, especially sports. I love, I mean, I could, I could really watch them. I know, I, I, I talked about movies last week. I, my theology is deeper than movies, but um, man, I love Rudy. Anybody like Rudy? I mean, I love Rudy. 
And uh, it was, I saw an interview recently of Joe Montana talking about the whole Rudy thing. It's pretty interesting. And of course, Hollywood embellishes, but who listens to Joe Montana anyway? Um, Hoosiers. That's probably one of my favorites. Invincible. Cannot, I cannot stand anything about the Philadelphia Eagles. They're, I, I'll stop right there. I don't want to offend anybody. But I love Invincible. That is a great movie. Miracle on Ice, Sea Biscuit. Anybody seen Sea Biscuit? Togo. Anybody seen Togo? Balto. I love Balto. Iron Will is probably one of my all-time favorites. And I, listen, if you're in this room today and you've had this view of yourself that it's not worth moving forward, it's not worth getting back up again, it's not you know, that, that God is tired of you, that his purposes with you are done because of whatever the circumstance may look like, I'm gonna tell you that God's got a comeback prepared for you. He's got a comeback prepared for you. Hang in there. A second thing is this, so Jesus is, is ever present. Jesus is eternal. And I know I've referenced this just a moment ago, but really think about John 8, 58. He says, I say to you before, I mean, that's what really set the Pharisees off in this passage. Before Abraham, before father Abraham was, I am. Jesus' existence has, has no extension in time. Jesus is eternal and lives outside of time. There has never been a time when Jesus did not exist. There will never come a time where Jesus ceases to exist. And one of the points I'm trying to get across is this, is that when, you know, when, when, the, when the fall happened in the, garden of the e in the Garden of Eden, God wasn't like, oh no. What am I going to do now? We got to think of a plan. It, 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 God is never taken by surprise. As a matter of fact, if you look at scripture, you'll see that Jesus was in that moment with God, right? Because the Lord our God is one. John 1.1, 1, 1, in the beginning. Do you notice where we read that? We read that in Genesis 1.1, 1, 1, don't we? In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. In the beginning, all things were through him, and without him, not anything was made without him. I mean, he was right, Jesus was right there in creation. And then, the, right, verse 14, and behold, the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. Listen, God, Jesus has always been there. Everything else in the universe has limits, but Jesus has no limits, none. I, I was thinking about, um, uh, I, I, I wanted to play, you know, when we, and whenever we do something like play a song or like you in a video, you know, Facebook, YouTube, whatever, tags us and mutes and all that kind of stuff, it's really, it's really a pain to deal with. And, but I was thinking about, uh, a song, Aaron and Jeffrey. You remember, anybody remember Aaron and Jeffrey? You remember that song, He Is? That's another one you gotta go listen. He, nobody? Yeah, okay, I got a couple of people. In Genesis, he's the breath of life. In Exodus, he's the Passover lamb. In Leviticus, he's our high priest. In Ruth, and I'm not gonna go through, I'm not going through all 66 books, as you can already tell. 
But listen, in Ruth, he's the Kingsman Redeemer. Nehemiah, the rebuilder of broken walls and lives. This is all from the song. And Job, uh, the, the timeless Redeemer. Isaiah, the Prince of Peace. Daniel, he's the stranger in the fire. And Hosea, he's forever faithful. And Joel, he's the Spirit's power. Nahum, he's our strength and shield. Habakkuk and Zephaniah, he's pleading for revival. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, he's the Messiah. The book of Acts, he's the fire from heaven. In Corinthians, he's the power of love. Romans, the grace of God. Galatians, freedom from the curse of sin. Timothy, Titus, Philemon, he's our mediator. He's our faithful shepherd. And James, he's the one who heals the sick. And first and second Peter, he's our shepherd. And, Je- and John and Jude, he's our, he's our lover coming for his bride. And Revelation, he's the king of kings and the Lord of lords. He is, he is the I am. He's the Alpha and the Omega. He's the King of Kings and He's the Lord of Lords. And He is Jesus. The eternality, that's a word, I looked it up, of Jesus means that He is, but here's the key He will be for you. He is, He is the I am, but He will be for you. The third and last thing is this, is it's not really conducive, I guess, or, or, or rhyming or whatever with the I am, but it's John the Baptist's announcement about Jesus. And this is where I wanted to land this, this morning. Number three is this, because I'm really talking about who, who is Jesus. And Jesus is the Lamb of God. And I think one of the most powerful announcements in the Bible is, is John chapter one and verse 29. Behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. And all of this, and, and maybe, you know, some of it may feel like it was over your head or just a little bit confused, what, whatever the case may be, what the summation of all of this means is that the only one that could do anything about the grip of sin and the penalty of sin is Jesus. And he did it for you. While we were yet still sinners, Christ died for us. The Lamb of God that not covers, right? In the Old Testament, that blood was shed and it is covered, right? It just just, uh, was a temporary fix. But the Lamb of God takes, cleans, washes, purifies. And I want you to know that if you're here today, the Bible says that the wages of sin is death. That's truth, right? We can't, I can't pull that up. We can't ignore that statement, right? He says, he says, tells us in Romans, we look at the Romans road, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Again, thank you, Adam and Eve, for your ministry to us. And here, these many years later, we appreciate that. But the reality is we're all born into sin. We, we, we don't measure up God's measurement. Listen, God, this is why people have a hard time sometimes in processing who the Father is. But the, the thing is, is that God is perfect and he, his expectation is perfection. But how many, how many in the room are perfect? 
I was hoping one person would bite, but no. I mean, we kind of realize that we're not, right? That none of us, that we all, so we fall short of God's level of perfect. We all fall short of God's glory. We all fall short of God's perfection. And no matter what we do, no matter what, we, we can't earn it, we can't act right enough, we will never measure up. There's the, the only way that chasm is ever bridged, and that's through the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. It is the only way. There is not multiple ways to God or eternal life or heaven. There's, there's no other way but through Jesus. No other way. If we want access to the Father, if we want to be right relationship with him and reconciled with him, if we want to spend eternity in heaven, the only way to do it is through Jesus. That is it, period. There's all kind of pluralism happening all around us and, and even in, in Christian churches, but the only way to God is through Jesus. The only way to eternal life is through Jesus and understanding that no matter what I do, I can't do it right enough. So I have to take on what somebody did for me. And that was Jesus taking my place on the cross and shedding his blood that I could have the forgiveness of sins. And so the Bible tells us that, yeah, we've, we all fall short of God's glory. But he says what? He says, but the gift of God is eternal life. And so scripturally, all we have to do, the Bible says that if we confess him as the Lord of our life, and that, that's not some lip service thing, right? Right. The prayer, the, pray, we, the prayer is easy to do. But like, I can't pray this prayer and then nothing change about my life, right? I can't, I can't, the reality is we have to acknowledge that we're sinners. And I can say Jesus is the Lord of my life, but if nothing ever shifts in my life, then I just really gave lip service and it wasn't really a prayer of dedication saying, okay, God, I'm tired of being the God of myself. I need the, I need the Lord God to be my God. I need, I need you. Because you're the one that's ever present. You're the one that's all knowing. You're, you know, I'm just, I'm just a human. So who is Jesus? Jesus is the one that takes your sin and gives you his righteousness. And the Bible says that when we, we take his righteousness on, that's a gift that we can't earn, we can't work hard enough. When we take that gift, when, God, when the Father looks at us, Really what he sees is his son. He sees our sins washed and covered, that we're pure and clean. Thanks for joining us on this week's podcast. Be sure to tune in next time for more inspirational messages. Connect with us on social media at Odessa First AG. And if you'd like to support our ministry, 
visit odessafirstassembly.com forward slash giving. Until next time, stay blessed.